Mutability. Welcome to Nature's Lead. This is a podcast available at naturesleed.com that both examines and inspires a certain approach towards life that is based both on personal philosophies and on the writings of people such as Emerson and Thoreau. Please send any feedback to info at naturesleed.com or drop a comment onto the blog at naturesleed.com or even onto iTunes or wherever you get the feed from. And if you're new to the podcast, I encourage you to listen to any prior episodes to get a better feel for things. This is Series 1, Episode 11, title, Our Silent Breathing of Nature. Okay, hello again. Today I'll read a great poem by Walt Whitman that encourages our direct relationship with nature, and I'll touch a bit on how science is proving out this theoretical connection. So we'll get to that in a second, but first, today's random window. I noticed when I drive slower, like 60 and a 65, when everyone is going 70 or more, I'm more calm, and my mind frees up to think about positive, enlightening things. When I'm caught up with the rush of the masses, my mind is hijacked as well. By slowing down, I may arrive a few minutes later to my destination, but I'm much more relaxed when I arrive, much more myself. I guess I discovered that time isn't worth as much as well-being. The tortured life of a hundred years isn't worth the happiness of a summer's eve. On to the main topic, our silent breathing of nature. Walt Whitman is one of the most significant American writers in our country's brief history, and some scholars label him as the greatest American writer of all. He is definitely one of the key writers in the Romantic movement in my eyes. As I've mentioned before, there's ten Romantic, that's capital R Romantic, not small r like a candle at dinner and roses. There's ten Romantic writers I put at the top of my focus. The British side being Wordsworth, Coleridge, Blake, Keats, Shelley, and Byron, and the American side being Emerson, Thoreau, Whitman, and Dickinson. These, for me, are the romantic gods that I look up to. What's wonderful about them is that they each provide their own unique touch on the romantic landscape. They all write to different motivations. They all write with different writing styles, and they all created masterworks that can stand on their own, requiring no knowledge or understanding of the others. Now, Whitman helped establish one of the poetical forms that later took over in the 20th century, free verse. His poetical style didn't adhere to the long-standing traditions of Europe, such as iambic pentameter or the tight rhyming schemes of sonnets. His writing has an organic flow to it that is sometimes compared to biblical verse. It's important to know this if you didn't already know, because when you read Whitman's work ever, or when you're listening to the poem I'm about to read, you'll understand that this is poetry, and very meticulously structured and worded, just as traditional poems are. So here's When I Heard the Learned Astronomer, or sometimes called the Learned Astronomer for short. When I heard the learned astronomer, when the proofs, the figures, were arranged in columns before me, when I was shown the charts and the diagrams to add, divide, and measure them, when I, sitting, heard the astronomer where he lectured with much applause in the lecture room, how soon, unaccountable, I became tired and sick, till rising and gliding out, I wandered off by myself in the mystical moist night air, and from time to time looked up in perfect silence at the stars. 
This is one of my favorite poems. I know what you're thinking. I say that a lot. But I do personalize a lot of things. And in that way, they become a part of you. And when they're a part of you, they are then so much more meaningful when they are revisited. It feels like home. Sort of like a spiritual home that you've carefully built over time inside your soul with emotional experiences, thoughts, and beliefs. In fact, emotional experiences is how this poem and most writings became a part of me. When I first heard this poem in a classroom in college, the intellectual insight that was living and swimming around in this collection of flat text carved out by a man 150 years earlier hit me with a bolt of electricity that shocked my system like seeing the sun after days of shadowed seclusion. That moment when you get it, that moment when you know and feel exactly what another human being is trying to share with you is a real-time epiphany. Not history, not passive, not stale. It's active and tangible within you. In this poem, for me, there's two important things going on. First, we're seeing how humans are always analyzing and breaking down things within their own context, through their own mechanisms, such as science and math in the poem. We prop up our own environment, our own mental sandbox, in which to see certain realities comfortably and safely. We build our own reality. And second, we're seeing the, quote, perfect connection he makes silently with nature as he looks up at the stars. Have any of you in your lives ever been driving down a dark country road with no cars to be seen, stop along the side, turn off the car, get out, and just look up? That electric connection one gets with raw nature, it's unmistakably exciting and perfect. I remember leaving my tent late one night as a boy when camping with my family in the Tetons along Jackson Lake, and I went down to the rocky beach by the water and laid down with my back flat on the stones. I just stared up at the magical brilliance of the universe and felt most alive. It was a life moment. Whitman labels it as perfect silence. This is extremely important. He is experiencing a direct connection with nature. He's not talking about it. He's not quantifying or qualifying it in his mind. He is simply connecting to it directly. I would argue, as I believe he would, that that beautiful moment of emotional connection to nature is more valuable and crucial to who we are and what nature is than all the science formulas in the world. Now that's not to say that scientists aren't important, nor that their emotional triumphs from discovering that light can be treated as matter, or that there are particles smaller than electrons, aren't exciting emotional life events. But our society leans towards science as being the authoritative source for our definition of nature, our understanding of what nature really is. I say that we all are a part of nature, that we are nature. And when we emotionally skinny dip into nature, through hiking, through looking into the sky, or simply through watering your office plant during a quiet moment at lunch, we aren't just learning more about nature, we're learning about ourselves. This idea of wholeness with nature, the idea that we are connected, is a philosophical approach towards the world seen in many Eastern religions and even seen in some of the Romantics. Emerson often spoke of transcendentalism, 
the idea that there's an oversoul connecting us all. Traditionally, believing in such things, believing in any sort of mystical philosophies, was possible only as a matter of faith, not to mention that it was seen by many as fringe and strange. But here's what, to me, is an amazing twist to that supposed wacky and unfounded belief system that we're all connected. Are you ready for this? Science has proof. This will be a topic of a future episode, but let me give you a quick synopsis that will blow your mind if you didn't already know this. I've always been fascinated with theoretical physicists. If I could have any job in the world, that would have to be in my top three. I love the intellectual challenge of it. I love that they are at the vanguard of discovering the true nature of the universe and reality in general. And I love that you have to combine nature, abstract and imaginative thinking, science, and creativity. Einstein, Stephen Hawking, and most of the scientists we would be aware of are theoretical physicists. One of them, David Bohm, who had some in-depth conversations with Einstein and lived uh, early in the 20th century and who taught for a while at Princeton, came up with a theory and experiment that proved the ability for subatomic particles to communicate instantly. A fundamental rule of physics is that nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, approximately 186,000 miles per second. And yet, here was an experiment challenging one of the fundamental rules of the universe. Rules according to us, that is. Now, this experiment has been redone many times in the last 50 years to reprove its results, the latest in 1997 that I know of. So here's a proven truth that matter can communicate, or a better word might be feel, that matter can feel each other instantly. This truth suggests that there is an underlying layer of connection throughout reality that we can't currently perceive with our instruments. The official term is the Haranoff-Bohm effect, or the AB effect for short. The science community uses terms like quantum interconnectedness and undivided wholeness to describe it, and this may eventually tie into one of the most popular modern-day scientific theories called string theory, which also involves other dimensions that are unaware to us. So our modern-day ideas such as Emerson's and ones from the Far East, such as aspects of Buddhism, are being proved out by reputable Western scientists. Science has come a long way from the Big Bang Theory, if that's the most recent discovery you know about, and I'm really excited that the conceptual theories, like string theory, that are coming from our greatest minds are theories that are reaching out beyond what we can currently prove in a lab. There's a lot to talk about there, so I better stop and save it for a full episode, but my point with all this is that there is the beginning of a meeting point forming between Western science and certain Far East approaches towards understanding reality. And I think we're very lucky to be living while this is unfolding before us. Most importantly, though, it may become fact, not myth or religion, that we are all connected. So maybe that feeling Whitman was overwhelmed by that feeling of, quote, perfect silence, that feeling we all get when we are alone, together with nature. Maybe that feeling is our emotional perception of our togetherness, an emotional perception of our reality. Maybe that feeling is 
our silent breathing of nature. That brings us to a close. So until next time, I wish you well, and don't forget to follow nature's lead.